0: International Horse College's motto is People, Safety and Horse Welfare, and you'll find this message throughout our chats. Registered Training Organisation number 31352. This is another of our popular Listener's Choice interviews, which we're playing over the weekend. We've chosen the most popular interviews for you to select the Listener's Choice winner. If you're not sure how the Listener's Choice competition works, have a look at horsechats.com slash choice for the rules and the leaderboard. Hey, it's Glenys here. Just to let you know that even though the quality in this audio isn't first rate, the information certainly is. Please excuse the audio quality and focus on the education and what you'll learn in this interview. Our guest today is Cathy Binns. Cathy's had 30 years of horse ownership and riding. She mainly focuses on dressage and has competed up to FEI, She's also done some volunteer work as the event director for the Queensland State Dressage Championships for a couple of years. She's been a general coach, coaching dressage. She's done power equestrian. She's also been a coach for the Riding for the Table, and her latest love is equine facilitated learning. How are you today, Cathy? I'm very well, thank you, Glenys. How are you? <laughs> I'm very well. Now, Cathy, you know we normally start with a favourite quote. What have you got for us? <laughs>
1: okay, um, it's bite off more than you can chew and then chew like crazy. And it seems to be how I live my life. <laughs> now, that's a bit different, the don't bite off more
0: than you can chew. This bite off more than you can chew and chew like crazy, that sounds, that's yeah, it's a one. little bit different. Tell me who told you.
1: It's actually a famous quote from some, um, I think it's an American guy, I can't remember who it was now. Um, I adopted it for so many years, about 15 years ago. And, yep, that sounds about right. So yeah. basically... You know, don't just sit around waiting for things to happen, get stuck in and do it. And if it feels like it's too much, do it anyway.
0: Yes, yes. Okay, okay. Do you tell your students that?
1: I actually do, yeah. yeah. Yes, yeah. I do. It's, a lot of people are sort of simply waiting around for a signal or a sign for everything to be right. Um, or, and, and, you know, it's, it's we're sort of about jumping in with those feet first. You know, i mean, obviously preparation as well for my students. But, you know, if they think it's, if they think it's going to be um, a big deal, it might be a big deal, but that's, there's no reason not to be frightened. If it sort of goes along with the other one. The journey of a thousand miles starts with a single step. So, yes. you know, just uh, go out right there and do it. We can overthink things too much.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Just sit out there and get, get in, get into life.
0: Yes, yes. You can be a bit worried and just stand back and think of all the excuses very easily, can't you?
1: Well, we feel like it's going to be perfect. We're never perfect. Bicycles are going to be about just sitting in there and doing it. If it feels like
0: it's too much, then just. Yeah. Yeah. Cathy, tell us about one of your early
1: memories. Okay, well, one of my early memories was my sister riding a horse and me not being allowed to because I was about three years old. My sister, our older sister, had horses. My mum had horses. My cousins had horses. When I came along, um, we couldn't afford horses anymore. We actually got out of horses when I was one, probably, I think, because of me. So I could, I had this frustrated desire to ride. I was the kid that drew horses on my Nascope papers and you know, and mooned about. And I actually went to saddlery, so I could just smell the love. <laughs> I was so pathetic. But, um, but, yeah, that was one of my earliest memories of horses. I was, I was different to a lot of other people in this industry. I didn't start young. I didn't start yeah. riding until I was 22.
0: Wow. That's a big jump, isn't it? You know, from a family mm-hmm. with horses to them stop, but then you don't start again until you're 22. So what made you start riding again, and then what made you then have a career with horses?
1: Okay, I started riding because uh, I met my my now husband and we were sitting one day around a campfire being all romantic and talking about our dreams for the future. And I mentioned I'd always wanted to own a horse and never had the opportunity. And he, being terribly romantic, said, okay, we're going to get you a horse. He was a real can-do he he can- person. We're going to get you a horse, he said, at the age of 22. Um, my first horse, and you remembered it probably every day as much ever since, but um, she got me into my, that was my best horse, she was a super horse, um, I did everything with her, she was only small, and I'm a tall person, she was only a 15-hand quarter horse, but she did everything, she was fantastic, and then I got into I uh, had a good coach, met some very good people in the horse industry, and we started having children, I thought, okay, well what can I do, you know, I can tailor around my lifestyle, and um and coaching dress um, especially coaching horse riding is one of those things you can, yeah, you can do
0: as much or as little as you want. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a bit different to keeping horses fit for a three-day event or something, isn't it?
1: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Mm. And, you know, if you're coaching privately, you don't need to own the horse. Yes. So I started my level one. I did start my level one um, in Canberra with Simon Taylor. You do not yep. need those, Simon Taylor? I do, I do, yeah, and a previous very, guest very as well, cool. yep. Oh, excellent! I haven't seen him in years and years, but he was very influential. Yeah, if people
0: would like to listen to that. They can just go to horsechats dot com and search for Simon, and they'll find Simon Kale.
1: Yeah, yeah, very interesting chat. Yeah, um, yeah. So he started me off, but then um, I came up to Brisbane in that time after I had children. We moved back home. Brisbane is home to us both, even though we were in Canberra for a long time. And I picked up my riding. I was very careful then when I came to Brisbane. I thought, okay, I wanted to get in with the the, the right people, the right way of riding, the right kind <laughs> of horses. There's, you know, people, lots of different people do lots of different things. And I'd been in horses long enough to know what suited me. So I went to all of the dressage competitions. You yeah, know, dressage is my, my big love. Yes. And I looked at everyone who was riding the way I I thought I would like to ride, and I wanted to learn from. And I asked them all Who's their coach And they all said Jenny Gerty Yes So I pushed Jenny Gerty Because she took me as a pupil Because she was always busy Very hard to get into Jenny She and, is And um, yep. She's brilliant She's freaking brilliant yep. I think she's the best coach um, Yeah I'm going to say The East Coast of Australia Because I think I've tried Pretty much everybody I don't know <laughs> anything About the West Coast But certainly You know She is the best Yeah Yeah So yeah, And I've never regretted it Good And Good. she helped me finish off My level one She was a level two At that time and um, she, was, I finished off my level one with her dressage, and, and for the dressage, and sort was jumping, I went out to do So good people.
0: What do you think then for people starting off in the horse industry? What sort of core skills and character traits do they need to have before they start
1: in the horse industry? Well, I mean that covers a very wide range of things. Right? It <laughs> is, it and is. But but you coaching. know, are there
0: some common skills that go
1: across toughness, yeah. toughness, mental toughness, physical toughness? It's hard. It is physically. Hard. Um, it keeps you fit. But you need to be prepared um, for a fairly hard slog. Everything's heavy. You know, tailgates of floats, lifting bags of feed. Um, you know, it's a tough life. It's outdoors. It's bad. It's hard on the skin. It's. But you know, it, it's worth doing. It's absolutely worth doing. But yeah, a, a bit of mental toughness, and um, you've got to be prepared to, you know, be physically tough as well. Yeah.
0: yep. yep. What do you think, then's the best thing about working in the horse industry?
1: Oh, working with horses. Yeah. Absolutely far and away, no question. Just spending every day with these absolutely beautiful, majestic, um, entertaining, funny, athletic animals. They, they're all such personalities. They're all different. Um, and just, you know, just getting to know them as people.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yes, they certainly are special. Yeah. Yeah. Now
1: you've talked about
0: Simon and how he started you off with your coaching. Who else would you like to mention that's been instrumental in helping you with your career?
1: Not, not, not directly, um, because but, you know, Jenny Dirty, again, is, is, is the big one for me. So, I mean, she's yep. the one who, 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 if I can ride like her, I'll be grateful for the rest of my life. Sure. So, and, and her approach to training, she's got a very. She can explain. How things, um, how things work, how they should feel. So if you teach you how to ride, a lot of coaches these days will teach you how to train your horse, but not address what you need to be doing as a rider up there. But indirectly, I'm going to have to say Heath Ryan. I mean, he, I read yes. everything I can that Heath Ryan writes because I find him so inspirational and so and he's really grounded. So a guy that's achieved what he's achieved. Yeah, but so he's yeah. always got time for the little guy. I've um I've run the um in the schools um <coughs> tours of the C D I the behind the scenes tours that um yes. the schools are allowed to sign up and come and do. And if he's going to be on the Brisbane C D program. I know he's always going to give me the time and, and you know, chat to the kids. He's got and he will talk to the youngest child about their pony club, ponies, just as seriously and interested as he would talk to someone about his training a Grand Prix horse. He's mm, just mm. A, you know, a guy for all people.
0: He, he's uh, a very and, generous yeah, yeah. person with his time. I think he's the longest interview that I've ever had. He's, you know, very but, generous. Um, yeah.
1: It, yes, that's right. As he said, I've, I've seen him have you know, lots of events now. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, as he said, once you get him, give him a microphone, it's getting him to stop talking. <laughs> but he's, yeah. he's a nice guy. Um, the first time I met him, I was dressed up of the stars. And I was sitting at a table with, we just happened to have Chris Hector there. And Chris Hector was doing an interview for the horse magazine for Heath Ryan. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I was just sitting there, you know, in between events. And Heath came up to do this interview. And before he sat down at our table, he we went around to every person, 12 people on that table, and he shook their hand and went, Hi, I'm Heath. And oh, of course, we all knew who he was. But so then he sat down and did his interview with Chris. And I just thought, that's the that's old-fashioned man you know, mm, that's mm, such a, you know. I was really sure. impressed with that. He didn't have for any sure. reason to introduce himself to us. Yep. So yeah, yep. no, just a yep. nice guy.
0: What about horses? If you had a horse who's influenced you, maybe the first horse you got when you were twenty two, or has there been another one that you'd like to mention?
1: Um. Yeah. Well, the, the first one at twenty two got me started right, and I was I I was twenty two, so I wasn't a child, and I was able to not make an emotional decision, so we went out and bought. With the help of a friend, exactly what I needed, which was something quiet, quite responsive, and, um, and a bit of an all-rounder. But um, since then, the horse that's impacted most among us is one of you know, my life is the horse I've currently got. It's my 14-year-old advanced horse. He's by Veltmire. I bought him because I went to Dressage and Jumping with the Stars, and that may have been that time. That sea, so What's I his name? Yeah. What's his um,
0: name,
1: Cathy? I call him Womble. He's yes. His showroom is Wimbledon. But, uh, I don't know, do you know the Wombles of Wimbledon Commons? Yes. So it was a children's program when I was yep. a kid, and the Womble's these little things that go around, you know, and then come up with that we which can it whatever. But, yes, so I played him Womble, and I've still got him, and he's, I'm looking at him right now, my front paddock, and he is such a huge personality. Yep. He really, he's he's he dominates the place with his this massive, he's so intelligent. I have to padlock him into his stable, because he can undo everything short of a padlock, and once I left the key in the padlock, and he tried that too. <laughs> wow, so, wow. He a very okay. smart horse. But when he gets out, all he wants to do is check out what's going on. He goes into the pack shed and rearranges stuff and, <laughs> you know, comes along the front of the house and looks through the windows to see who's home. He's just this huge person. So, and he's been lots of fun. Interesting to train. But um, when he was young, he had a bit of a, a bit of an attitude, a bit of a you and whose army when you asked him to do something. But once he clicked that this was fun... You you know, you can't work him enough. Yep. He meets you at the yep. gate, shoves his head into the hole to tow you up to be saddle. He's just lost his work. Yeah. But he's a have and yep, they're yeah. apparently famous for that. What do you think Kathy is your
0: proudest moment so far with horses?
1: Um, I can't yeah, I can't really point to any one moment. Um, apart well yeah, it's more than there's many moments and the moments are when it's got, uh, when you have a horse that you've bred and trained yourself. And it's going really well. And it's not just going really well for you. It's when someone else hops on it and goes, wow, this is good. But that, yeah. that's my proudest moment is training rideable horses for other people. I'm not a great rider. I don't look tricky. Um But, you know, there's, I, I think there's different skills. There's riding and there's training and there's coaching. There's, there's a third one. But, um, yeah, I like to think that I, I do a pretty solid job of training a, a nice rideable horse for someone else. And it's a big responsibility because – you can, A horse will always have a, a good home to the end of its life. if is a good horse for someone to ride and to be around. Yes. So it's a big responsibility to give a horse all of the training it needs to make somebody love it. And I noticed this in Canberra in, during the drought. The ones who, and they were, left to starve in paddocks were the ones that people were having trouble with. They didn't want to be bothered with it because it was difficult or tricky or, you know, Whatever. So mm. if you if you can give a horse the what it needs to be um, to make someone love it and and work with it, um, then you've done for the for of service.
0: Stop. I need to interrupt this chat for a hot off the press notification. That is that the latest version of the book 101 Careers in the Horse Industry is now available, and the best news is that it's a free download. So if you work in the horse industry. 101 Careers in the Horse Industry button to receive your free career book. Imagine, maybe one day you could be a guest on Horse Chats. Yeah, so even if that horse passes on, you know, as you say, if you've got a horse that's a nice horse, able to work with people, that's the one that people want, yeah.
1: That's, right. That's the one that people want, the one they treasure for the rest of the class. Well, it's with children too, you know, Glenn. It's like, if you give your children manners and mm. you know, they know how to relate well to other people, then they're always welcome in people's homes.
0: Yep, yep. So thinking about being a bit of a late starter, you know, through to now being a professional coach, what do you think has been your biggest challenge? Was it challenging starting late or what were the advantages of starting late?
1: Um. Yeah, Um. The advantages of starting late would be that I was able to sort of think a bit more. As an adult we find of, we're able to bring less emotion and more um more analytical skills to things. Um the biggest challenge, gotta say it, physically. Physically, you don't bend, you don't bounce, you know, a lot of stuff that you learn as an adult, you probably would never do as well as if you'd started as a as a young kid and you've given your and your muscle memory has been able to pick up all the odd and different and little things that you need as a rider. So I think starting as an adult, you'll never be as good a rider as someone um, who started young. On the other hand, if you have the right coach, you'll be a better rider than someone who went with a bad coach starting young. Mm. But that's been the biggest challenge is physically, trying to, to you know, wrestle my body into the right shape. And also um, psychologically, um, as an adult, really there's more fear involved. 22 um, is not that old, to be honest. Um, so I did do quite a bit of stuff, but... Once you have kids, especially then you know falling off and damaging yourself just doesn't become an option, and then, then you think about it and then it becomes a real possibility so you know you are wrestling with your brain a little bit too and i have, that's why with my coaching I have a lot of sympathy for adults with anxiety um or adults starting out riding I went to add on that line um I went to Maury Bruce for oh, quite yeah. a while yes because he
0: started quite late mm.
1: Yeah, 36 when he started riding, so he was able to then explain to me some of the things I needed to consider. Whereas someone who started riding as a, a, a young person and then went into coaching, they haven't had the challenges that someone who started an adult has. Um, and so, and sometimes they might not even be aware that what you're what you're going through is is genuine and real. It just doesn't make sense to them because it never happened to them. It was never part of their experience. So. Yeah. Going yep. to, you know, going to, to an adult learner, someone who's been an adult learner, as an adult learner, I, I found really helpful. Just thinking about if
0: you were teaching adult learners, what would mm-hmm. you say to them yeah. when they're first getting started? What was the, what would your advice be?
1: Well, my, my first question would be, what, what, what are you doing with, what do you want to get out of it? Because then mm-hmm. I can help you get that
0: out. So let's, look at your goals, but, yes. Um,
1: yeah, look at your goals and, and let's see what we can do. Um, I would never I've never computered anyone's goals. If some of want to go to the Olympics, well let's just start with premium, but you know, let's not rule out the Olympics because the oldest Olympic competitor ever was a, an equestrian, um, at the age of seventy two. I think a Japanese dressage rider. So yes. you know, let's not rule out the Olympics till you're till you're older. Yes, old. yes okay. you know what I mean? So, yep. I'm not saying it's a real possibility, but I'm saying it's not something we need to think about right now. Let's just get going on this path. Um, my, I guess my biggest thing is, um, to adult riders is you must not compare yourself to other people. And we are taught as um, adults in our society that you know this person's better than me, that person's worse than me. We're all on the same journey. We're just all at different spots. Um, yes. Yeah. And we just need to we just need to take it take it not just slowly, but take it at our pace. So you know you might not be progressing as fast as someone else or you think you might not, but you might not realize that, you know, in your way you're progressing as fast as you can. And that's all you can do is progress as fast as you can and focus on what you've got to overcome. So I suppose that would be my advice is just, you know, look at it as a, yeah, you know, like what they say, the journey not the destination. So if you're not Mm. enjoying the journey, then, you know, let's let's rethink and let's look at what we can do to make you enjoy the journey. I had someone, I had an adult, um, and she was, Riding and having lessons, she was doing really well. And she, she was wanting to go to competition, so she said to me. And I was coaching her for competitions, but she was so nervous. She was almost throwing up for the prep for competition. The whole thing was ghastly for her. And after giving her a few lessons preparing for this comp, I just stopped her and I said, let's look at this. Why are you doing this if it's giving you so much stress? And she said, well, because I have to. When you ride, you have to go to comps. And I said, no, you don't. You can do whatever you want with your horse and your time and your money. If you're not enjoying it, if you're really not enjoying it, then think about, do you want to do it? And she really, she went home that day and she thought about it and she said, you know, I really don't. She said, I don't. I don't like this. I'm not enjoying the process. I like riding my horse on trails. I like having my dressage lessons. And she never thought about competing ever again. Mm-hmm. But she But, but obviously still enjoyed
0: time. it. Yeah, still enjoyed the riding, yeah.
1: Exactly. I mean, riding is wonderful. You know, riding is wonderful. And, um, you know, but she felt like she had to test herself by going to conferences. No, this is your leisure time. There are many, many Mm. things in your life that will cause you stress. There is work and there is family and there is, you know, things you need to do. This is your leisure. Make it fun.
0: Yes, yes.
1: Cathy, thinking about the work
0: you've been doing lately, in equine facilitated learning, what's a common time when people would use equine facilitated learning, and what can they
1: learn from this? Right, um, very broad range of things. Um, equine facilitated learning is extreme; it's basically beneficial to anyone. Um, it's in, it allows the horse and the um, participant to build a relationship. And into that, as a facilitator, my job is to then build into the lesson and into, or into the sessions whatever that particular client needs. So you're looking, and you know this yourself as a coach, you know, Dennis, and you don't, you can come to lessons thinking what you're going to teach someone, but then you can see that there's a need there for something to be addressed. So you can, e um, facilitated learning allows people to build relationships with a horse that might um, then show them, Something about themselves and their relationships with the people around them, for instance. Um, it's very, very good for, for people who are shy to learn to become a little more assertive and more positive around horses to get the horse to listen to you. Or for people who are um, not as aggressive, wouldn't be the word, but far too assertive, to come across a little bit um, bossy. Horses don't relate well to that. So you can actually allow the horse, uh, sorry, teach the person, allow the horse to just display its natural behaviours. Um, Within the lesson, within the session situation, and um, and then teach the participant a little bit about herd dynamics and what, um, how the horses relate to each other, in order that they can then they have to, and these are are, are things that they can pick up about themselves, um, rather than being obvious and showing it, um, that they can then take away into their everyday lives. That's for so so for use at risk, it's useful um, for people who suffer from anxiety. It's fabulous. Um, children with autism do very, very well with horses. I noticed with RDA that if I had a, a child with autism who came in in a fairly stressed state, let's say, and anyone who works with children with autism might know exactly what I mean by that. Yes. Um, if I have them on the horse, I can, once they are riding the horse, I can almost guarantee that within 30 metres of the horse walking off, that child will have calmed down into a, an unbelievably peaceful state. There was, there's something going on, specifically children with autism, obviously then um, riding and, um, and handling horses for children with physical disabilities or adults with physical disabilities, you know, it can improve your gross motor skills, fine motor skills, but children with autism or people with autism seem to relate to the horse on a really strangely organic kind of way, um, and there's lots and lots of theories as to why this might be so. but... Um, yeah, so, so very much children with autism with delayed learning you can use horses not use, it's, it's you can allow the presence of the horse to benefit the child by teaching them you can improve um, vocabulary communication skills um it's just there, there are so many different things that horses can use. having a horse present can be beneficial to female More so even than than, um, therapy dogs or uh, or therapy animals of another kind, because um, horses have a very special role in our lives, they provide an exercise facility, so the riding of a horse is in fact physical and an uh, an exercise and it releases endorphins as we know, Um, that can also help produce calmness in in people. and it also provides a mainstream activity that is very well-received. For, for, for children and, and people with disabilities to be working with horses then allows them to participate in something that perhaps they couldn't do if it was soccer or tennis or, you know, or some things that they mightn't have the physical coordination for or the mental aptitude for. They can work with horses because, you know, working with a horse can be as, as physically demanding as standing brushing. And they've actually done a, they did a test in, um, um, so there was a study done of three children who were very, very small and they were actually hooked up to an ECG and they brushed a horse and they found that in the, the child that was um, with autism, they, the horse, they switched from, oh, let me get this right, left brain to right brain activity while okay. brushing the horse. Okay. And that was, I was, say so left brain being being logical and scientific and right brain, I believe, being more intuitive and, um, and artistic. Yep. So, yeah. so there can be so benefits can be as simple as that from something as simple as brushing all the way up to, you know, um, um, lunging a horse, riding a horse. And yeah. then uh, it can also benefit the wider family as well because then grandma can come along and take photos of her grandchild who has a disability and then take them away and show all his friends <laughs> who also have their neurotypical children who are out busy doing tennis and now this grandma has her photos to show her for them. So huge, the ripple effect can be a massive as well. Sorry, don't get me started. I won't stop.
0: I think we need to get you back again, Cathy, to talk about this in a lot more detail because there's quite, you know, broad range of people being affected with EFL. But I think we can really talk about this and, and talk about it in a lot more detail if you're happy to do that.
1: Oh, I would love to do that. Yeah. Just wind yeah. me up and just play tennis. <laughs> okay.
0: <about it. laughs> will do, we will do. If you're an equestrian coach or a horse riding instructor, or even if you aspire to be one, have a look at the free video series for horse riding instructors on the Horse Chats website. Go there now. Have a look, horsechats.com. Okay, Cathy, but meanwhile, have you got a book that you can recommend to our listeners, something that's going to complement their training, or something about EFL?
1: Okay, um... So the book I've, I thought about this, because you did put me with some of these questions, yeah. Tom Roberts, The Young Horse. Have you ever come across that Yes, book I do more? know that one. Yep. Well, Tom Roberts was, as you know, um, an Australian um, horse trainer, um, horsemanship guru, long before Pat Pirelli, I think, was even born. Yep. And um, his series of books, The Young Horse, Picking um, and The, the Horse, I, I think they they provide an insight into... Correct and gentle training methods. Um, and they're Australian, which is fabulous. The problem is they're out of print at the moment. I actually went online and went looking for copies, but if you get hold of if anyone can get hold of a copy of Tom Roberts, the young horse, buy it and hang on to it. It's gold. I think that's so been yes, revisited that be a bit, bit
0: since then, Kathy. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I'm not a hundred percent sure. Just have a look in horsechats.com slash books. I think there's something there that's been revisited. It is available uh-huh. yeah, because we've got
1: oh, – we're it's trying to a link
0: through to it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
1: it's fabulous. It really is.
0: Mm. Okay. No, that's good. That's good. All right. Now, Cathy, what are you looking forward to at the moment? Some more EFL or what else have you got in, got in the future?
1: Oh, very much EFL. I've, yeah. got some, I've got some horses that are coming along quite nicely at the moment. I've got my older advanced horse, Womble. Mm -hmm. And I've got um, a very nice young horse that's coming along. That's my personal riding. But um, at the moment, EFL is something I'm really starting to do in a big way. I've got a private practice at home um, for clients um, that want to come here and experience EFL for themselves. And I'm also setting up um, a therapy program in EFL for um, Save a Horse Australia, which is um, a huge horse rescue organization in Queensland. Um, and they have a large number of horses in care who will remain in care for the rest of their lives, probably because they're too old or they have too high health needs. Um, and these horses, the golden oldies, we call them, would be absolutely superb for providing opportunities in EFL um, for for clientele. We're setting up out at Wiscott, which is a base of um, I don't know, the, um, base of Toowoomba Mountain the Toowoomba yep. Hills out in yep. Uh, we've just taken over, we are just into the beautiful, beautiful sanctuary that we're moving to this week. We're in the process of moving, there's people driving horses as I speak. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once we're there in second, we're going to be opening up our doors to provide EFL sessions for really anyone
0: yep. using the, the Golden Oldies of uh, Save a Horses Australia. Sounds good. Sounds good. All right, now Cathy, just in a, a few sentences, can you summarise your philosophy with horses into a message for our listeners?
1: Summarise my philosophy mm. with horses is... Is not that hard. I think, I think we need to, as riders, we're very driven. We like to achieve. Um, everybody in this this world seems to be wanting to achieve. But sometimes my philosophy is listen to the horse. Let the horse tell you where your training should take it. What your training needs. Train every horse differently if you must. Um, I think that there's no one size fits all for horses. Um, and and think about why a, a, a horse is doing what it's doing. So Rhona said, if the horse is not doing what you want, it's because the horse does not know what you want. And I found that to be absolutely true. Just explain to the horse what you want. Take a step back and don't put ego into it. There's never be any ego. And just explain to the horse logically what you want. Break it down into small steps and um, and you know and train like that. That's my philosophy.
0: I think you've just got to
1: train in a language that the horse can understand, isn't it? That's right, mm. absolutely. Mm. And think about what the horse might be going through. My, my go-to is if the horse is misbehaving, look for pain. Look for yes. pain first. I'm not interested as a coach until you can tell me that you've had a, a some reputable body worker in chiropractors so you've had someone out or a vet to look at this horse um, and see why it might be doing what it's doing. That yep. was the first point. Yep. yep, yep.
0: All right, Kathy. now how can people contact you?
1: Oh, okay, that's, um. I've got, I'm a level one coach. We're on yep. the Equestrian Queensland Coaching Register. Okay. And can I give you my um, mobile number? Now? I think, it gives the phone number. We're going to have
0: those details on com slash Kathy Bins, But I think if you can give your phone number just in case people have got their pen out ready to go.
1: Okay, perfect. It's 0406 499. Yep. And I'm always available to talk to anybody and my pupils know they can ring me any time.
0: Okay, and as I said, those details would be on horsechats.com slash Kathy Bins, or just go to horsechats.com, search for Kathy with a C or search for Bins B-I-N-Z or B-I-N-Z. Okay, that's brilliant, Kathy, and, and I'm looking forward to um, getting you back again to talk a bit, a bit more depth about some EFL, EFL training and the benefits of EFL and how coaches can use it and uh, how people can benefit as well.
1: Absolutely, I would love to. Just, yeah, like I said, just wind me up and press play. I can (laughs) talk all day,
0: you know. Thank you. Wonderful. We'll talk to you soon then. Bye. Okay. Thank you, Janice. Bye. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government-accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com.